Hello, this is Chase McKinney. Please be advised that the messages discussed in this podcast are of a mental health nature. While I am a counselor, I am not your counselor. This podcast should not replace professional services rendered to you by a mental health professional. If you feel you are in need of one, please seek one out. Hey everyone, welcome to uh, the newest episode of Reframed. I'm your host, Chase McKinney, and today I have um, a good friend of mine uh, with me today to talk about um, a great game that we're both kind of sort of obsessed with. Uh, We know each other, um, again, from Doctor Who cosplay and um, the convention scene. Um, He does a lot of tinkering with stuff. And I'll give uh, him a sec, um, give him a minute to uh, introduce himself um, uh, once we get to this next section. But, you know, uh, right now, uh, we're just going to give you a little heads up of where we're going to be going with today's show. Today, we'll uh, start out um, as usual with, um, you know, on the hunt, the weekly hunt type thing. We're going to talk about, you know, what's going on with our life, you know, kind of no business type of stuff. Um, we're probably going to omit the Channel 49 news today just because there's an article that um, works out pretty well with the topic that we're going to be talking about while we're talking about uh, Uncharted, uh, which is our topic for today. So um, with that, in terms of, you know, the weekly hunt, um, you know, recently I've been doing some some thrift shopping and just getting ready for some travels and um, been... S- I just recently started uh, the second half of the two tower, the two towers uh, from the Lord of the Rings series, uh, where it's focusing solely on uh, Frodo, Sam, and Gollum. So it's really interesting to read that and to compare that with uh, the movies uh, and how uh, Peter Jackson took that in a completely different direction. Uh, both creative decisions are great between you know what Tolkien wrote and what Jackson did with his films um, so yeah uh, really enjoying it right now and um, you know just getting ready for traveling um, and by the time that you hear this I'll already be back for my travels um, so it went great um, and here I am so uh, with that I'm going to turn this over to my friend David and let him just say a few things Uh, tell y'all about himself and if you want to follow him how you can follow him and uh, learn more about him so david take it away uh yes my name is david dunlap um you can find me on uh, facebook instagram twitter all under public call cosplay do a lot of um primarily doctor who cosplay but quite a bit of other stuff and it kind of got started as a way for uh my wife and i to spend time with family so we do it together our youngest daughter does it with us um, personally, I am a stepfather with three girls and now three granddaughters. Um, so, you know, we kind of have a lot of fun with that stuff. Um, right now, very busy with back to school, back to soccer practice, all that stuff. Both started this week. So, mm-hmm. uh, getting back into the swing of, uh, fall life as it were. So, um, and of course, heading into con season and trying to get cosplays ready for a convention. So we've got a few new things coming up for uh, the next conventions here in Dallas. 
So excellent. And you said that you have some uh, grandkids. Do you have like a grandpa name? Yeah. <laughs> grandpa name is actually Guaba, which got started with the oldest one was having her uh, first child. Was asking what I wanted to be called. I told her that I needed to be called grandfather, but it needed to be said with a British accent. Grandfather with a British accent got abbreviated down to Guaba, G W A B A. And I remember that when you first told me that, I just immediately pictured William Hartnell, who portrayed the first Doctor. So I was just thinking of you as William Hartnell there for a little bit. Yeah, and that—that's kind of what I was thinking of when I told her it had to be said that way. But uh, yeah, it, that obviously doesn't didn't stick. So. <laughs> well, that's cool, and. Um, Along with fall, we also have um, the pumpkin spice latte that's going to be coming back in force. Um, so by the time you guys hear that, it'll or hear this episode, it'll have already been out for about a week uh, at Starbucks. So um, I hope you guys are enjoying that. Um, there's like a gazillion calories in it, but it is oh so good. For, and um, I'm definitely a big fan of it. I know not everyone is, but hope you enjoy it this uh, this fall um, before it leaves. You know, probably around. I don't know, December, whenever they run out of supplies. But that's that. Um, so how involved are y'all with uh, with soccer? I know, isn't Abby, um, your wife, a, yeah. a coach? She's coach for the team. Um, Piper's in her eighth season, I believe, something like that, playing. But um, they had their first practice this week, and looks like the team may actually maybe actually win a game this year. Um, I think they won one last season, but, you know, they enjoy it. They have fun and it's, um, you know, a way for them to spend time together. Yeah. Um, the five-year-old granddaughter also plays soccer. So we've got a couple of games every weekend to make our way to. Well, that's good. I, I remember, I think it, it's almost a rite of passage for every kid to play some kind of sport whether they want to or not growing up. Yeah. And mine definitely was soccer. I was never a big soccer fan. I was a baseball guy. And um, I ended up playing, I think, uh, what was it? Mainly outfield. I love playing outfield, and I played some shortstop. Um, but I definitely had the most fun playing outfield, just being able to catch those pop flies and just be able to throw it to shortstop and get people out. Yep. Yeah. So, anyway. Um well, that's that. Thank you for, for sharing that, David. Uh, for those of you that might be uh, returning or might be new, uh, if you want to follow us and uh, get involved with uh, the show and you know share comments and ideas for uh, future episodes, or just, like I said, you just want to get involved and share your comments and ideas about stuff, you can reach us at reframedpod at gmail.com. You can send us a little note there. You can also send us a tweet at reframedpod. We're all, we recently just got on Instagram, and we have a Facebook page. All of it is uh, at Reframed Pod. Um, you can also uh, listen not only on our Podbean account at podbean.com. You can also listen on Stitcher and Google Play. We're still waiting to get finalized on iTunes um, at the time of this recording. Uh, but there are multiple ways that you can listen. So if you have friends that you think would enjoy this, I would highly encourage uh, you to uh, mention this podcast to them. Um, and have them check it out. And we're, we're very thankful, very grateful um, that you're listening and checking it out. And um, thank you again. And, and also thank you to David for joining me today. 
uh, as we talk about Uncharted. Now, normally we would talk about some kind of mental health news um, in this next section, uh, but I'm going to save that for uh, discussion um, during the actual reframe portion, which we're actually going to go ahead and just jump into. So as I was making the introduction earlier, I was telling you that we're going to be talking about Uncharted. And for many people that play video games, uh, this is uh, probably one of the best and has some great voice talent, great story development uh, throughout. And uh, with that, uh, we're just going to talk a little bit about how we, um, as the people on the microphone, you know, how we got involved with Uncharted. How did we, how we discovered it, what we like about it, what we don't like about it, and just um, things in between. So, uh, David, you know, tell me a little bit about um, your experience with getting into Uncharted and, you know, some of your opinions with that. Well, I hadn't really uh, played games in years, hadn't had a gaming system um, till I just kind of got started looking at them and decided I wanted one and got one for my birthday, um, last year, I believe. Mm -hmm. Um, my wife bought me the PS4, um, and somebody else, uh, purchased the games and had them shipped to me because they said, uh, you have got to play these games. Um, that being Chase. <laughs> so, um... I did. I'd gotten, actually, Uncharted 4 was the first one I got, and I started playing it before the other ones came in. Um, and then, obviously, I had to decided I wanted to play through them in order, so I stopped that one and went mm -hmm. back and started with the first one. Um, and it's really kind of an addictive thing because it has such a good story progression to the games, of, you know, character development. They, It's not a static character like you get in a lot of games that this is just what it is they mm -hmm. change the decisions you make in the game uh, at least especially in the later games does kind of affect the direction the story goes or who you're interacting with or how um so i really enjoy that aspect of it um you do have to kind of put aside the fact that this guy's just strolling through the world shooting people willy-nilly but it's not really a um Try not to think of it as a murderous psychopath as much as, uh, you know, there's, there's, there's a mission and, yeah, these people are shooting shooting at him and it's uh, defense. He does go into things. And I think there was actually some thought that went into the fourth game on that fact that mm -hmm. they kind of toned down some of the just what almost seems like shooting just for the sake of having it in the game as much as having a reason for it in the storyline. Uh, they tied some of that back in. Um, but what I really like about it is some of the relationship between the different characters and how those develop, you know, from, uh, you know, just meeting a random reporter in one game to, you know, it's his wife and, you know, they've got a daughter later. Um, Spoilers. Spoiler alert, by the way. Um, <laughs> to, you know, especially the relationship between Nate and Sully and how that you see glimpses of that through the games. And then um, actually in the later games, you start to get some flashbacks um, mm -hmm. in the fourth one that really shows, you know, back how they met and then in the end, the flash forward. So it kind of bookends that being the last game in the series. And Naughty Dog has said that that's the end of the series pretty right. much. Right. So they did a, 
a good job of bringing all that information in to kind of bookend uh, that relationship between those two men. So um, I don't know. Is that enough about? Uh, yeah, yeah, <clears throat> and my uh, thoughts on the game. Yeah, I mean, I have a pretty pretty similar one too. Um, for the the longest time. I'd been wanting to get one of the new uh, next-gen systems, but I wasn't completely sure which one I wanted to get. I'd had uh, the PlayStation 1. I never had the PlayStation 2 or the PlayStation 3. I got a hand-me-down PS2 like maybe two years ago. Um, So I was able to play some of the old PS2 games that I used to play at my cousin's house. Uh, But other than that, like when the console war was going on back in the day between the PS2 and the Xbox, the first Xbox... Uh, there was such a backlog for the PS2 that I was just a very impatient teenager and I just wanted the Xbox instead. And um, I stuck with Xbox and I got the Xbox 360 um, instead of the PS3 when that console war came out. And um, so for the longest time I'd been with, with Microsoft with like the whole Xbox thing. And, you know, the more I was talking to friends and um, acquaintances and people like that and who played what and and stuff like that uh, I found out that I had more people that I knew that were playing PlayStation than I did Xbox and I found out that most of the games that I did like were still on PlayStation and that the exclusives that people were telling me about were on on PlayStation so uh, ended up just biting the bullet I think it was December uh, 2016, thereabouts, somewhere in that range, when I actually bought the the PlayStation 4, um, the Uncharted combo, actually, and also bought the um, the Nathan Drake collection, which was the remastered first three games of um, of that series. And like David, I I played the first three uh, before I played the fourth, and I just fell in love with the game. Uh, People that know me know that I'm a huge Indiana, jo- Indiana Jones fan. So this was a more or less updated uh, Indiana Jones type story. I mean, it has like that pulp um, vibe to it, that you know, pulp action, you know, adventure type vibe to it. That's pretty characteristic of Indiana Jones and heroes of that era. And I just I fell completely head over heels for that that franchise. Um, and I definitely have my favorites, or my favorite, and I have my least favorite. And uh, like David, I really, truly loved the, the character development, the story development, um, the scenes, the, you know, the places that you go with, with uh, Nathan Drake and, and you know, the cast of characters. And there were at times when some villains seemed like they were like just one-dimensional characters, but there were more times than not that they had like multi-dimensional villains and and heroes so it wasn't just a very um hollow um development as far as i was concerned with it um i think the only thing and i'm probably gonna get um you know like i don't know pitchforks and torches um brought to my house for saying this but i think my least favorite game was uncharted 3 and, the, and for me, in my opinion, the reason that I wasn't too crazy for it was because it just seemed like the pacing was off. Like it was it was just like slow, 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 like let's rush and catch up type of thing. At least that's how I experienced the game. Like you spend most of it like in the UK, 
Um, and then like, you know, you're playing catch up in the desert, like towards the end. Um, now I know a lot of people where Uncharted 3 is their absolute favorite game. And that is totally fine. My favorite, um, you know, the, the Jersey that I wear, the Kool-Aid that I drink is Uncharted 2. That is my absolute favorite game. I love the story. I feel for the characters in that game in particular. So Uncharted 2 is my favorite and Uncharted 4 is my second favorite. They're all great games. They have um, really good qualities about them throughout. Um, but those are just some of the things that I like and, and kind of dislike, if that's a way that I can answer that um, in terms of like the pacing of like some of the games. But um, um, I think like even like the villains in Uncharted 3 is something that I wasn't too crazy about. Um, they did a good job. Um, they had like that multidimensional quality to them, but it just it felt kind of weird um, to me in the grand scheme of things. But that's, I mean, that's that really. Um, I'll leave that one alone. Now, um, apart from you know the things that you know got us into the game, and you know some things that we you know enjoy about the franchise. You know, what are some things that um, you know, after playing through the series, and I've played um, Lost Legacy. Have you played Lost Legacy? Yes. Oh. So Lost Legacy, for those of you that might not know, Uncharted Lost Legacy is something that takes place, I believe, six months or so after Uncharted 4, and it's um, um, headlined, it's it's um, the main protagonist, and it is Chloe, which we first learn about and discover her character in Uncharted 2. Um, and it's her own story. It's a standalone story. It was originally meant to be downloadable content, uh, that was going to go with Uncharted 4, um, but the more they developed it, the more it just grew, so they just made it its own game, basically. Um, now, um, so those are like the four or five games. So from the Uncharted series as a whole, uh, what are you, in your opinion, what are some things that you think that we can learn from the game, game franchise? Um, one of the things you and I had kind of talked about before is, you know, the the relationship development and specifically that of, you know, you know this orphan kid on the streets um, and how he comes in contact with uh, you know, Nate and how he comes in contact with Sully and mm -hmm. how their development grows to, you know, from kind of protector, uh, mentor, father figure. Um, to even at the very end, again, spoiler alert, that where you know, you've got uh, at the end of the fourth game, mm -hmm. Nate's daughter actually, you know, with pictures of her and Sully looking really uncomfortable holding the baby. Mm -hmm. um, but that obviously that relationship has uh, became kind of a lifelong uh, surrogate father son sort of thing. Right. Um, which, on the mental health side, you know, there are, whether it's, you know, a male father figure or female mother figure um, that's not in a life, and not in somebody's life, that's something that, you know, you are drawn to people that kind of fill that role, whether mm -hmm. um, whether it's your actual mother and father or, or mm -hmm. aunt and uncle or just um, somebody that you come in contact with or school or other programs that kind of fills that role for you. Right. Um, and there, and even, even in uh, like mental health and counseling and stuff, um, even, even developmentally, you know, if you're working, 
in daycares or you're pursuing like the early childhood type stuff, you learn um, in some way you learn about a thing called attachment theory and attachment uh, deals with like, do you have some kind of uh, uh, parental type figure uh, that you can have some kind of um, emotional connection with. So, you know, uh, what are they, like the little chicks, like the little birds, like whoever they, they look at first, they bond with type of thing. Imprint. It, they imprint, yeah. They imprint upon uh, whatever it is that they first make contact with, eye contact with. And, you know, for some people, for most people, it might be their biological parents, uh, mom or dad or both that are in the household that they can have that emotional connection with, that bond with. Um, others, it might be a grandparent. It might be an aunt, an uncle. Um, it could be an older cousin. It could be someone um, that they just, they're able to form that connection with. And, you know, with attachment, you're able to, um, the theory behind it is that you're able to have um, better uh um, emotional um, and mental uh, development and growth mm-hmm. with that sort of thing. Um, it's a very that's a very loose way of describing it. Um, so that's one thing that you know Nate might have had because um, we know like from the games or Nathan Drake whatever uh, might have or that he was raised by nuns um, in an orphanage there. Um, so there was some kind of, of adult figure that he was able to imprint to, to have that with so that he could have some kind of emotional human connection with. And then that was further developed whenever he met, um, Sully years down the road. Um, and David, I know a few minutes ago you were, when you were talking about like the, the parental figure, the, the person might come from, um, somewhere else, Mm -hmm. um, now, I know for a lot of people, um, there can be um, parental hurts, whether it's from the mom or the dad. Um, and when you're a kid, like you don't really, when you're a child, you don't truly know how to um, completely express how you're feeling and thinking about something the same way that an adult might. And that's normal. That's completely normal. Um, so you might get into those arguments with your parents a lot easier and just, you know, hate them or just be super angry at them and want nothing to do with them. Um, I want to preface this by saying that what I'm about to say by saying that um, I love my dad very much, but growing up, it was difficult um, in, in the house that I grew up in. And while he was there, um, he wasn't always there the way that I wanted him to be there for me. And, you know, growing up, my, my dad figure was Boy Scouts. Uh, the Boy Scout program was very um, crucial in my life, and I'm very indebted to the Boy Scouts of America and the men that really took me under their wing um, and just and filled that role that I needed at the time, you know, while I was growing up. Now, you know, my parents divorced uh, when I was in high school, uh, when I was a junior in high school, um, and it was after the divorce that my dad uh, became like a whole new man for me, and you know, our relationship has only gotten better and grown and just been awesome since. So uh, while the divorce sucked um, and the Boy Scouts was very, very beneficial to me growing up, I'm so glad that my dad and I have a great relationship now um, that I'd always wanted. 
So um, I feel like I might have like gone off on a trail on that one, but I, I don't know if you have any type of similar situation um, that you'd care to share, whether it's from like an organization or a coach or anything, some kind of male figure that really made an impact on your life, David? Yeah, I, I mean, there were always, um, and I guess I was kind of lucky in having multiples through, uh, you know, church and uh, was in scouts for a while, not uh, quite as long as you, but uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I always had multiple parental figures and mother, father, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, my dad had grown up without a father because his his father died um, when he was six years old in World War II. Um, so he'd grown up with just his mother, and his mother had kind of filled both of those roles for him. So. Um, he had a little different way of uh, being a father, and sometimes that uh, you know, I guess fathers and sons don't always see eye to eye on things. And I know from dealing with uh, my wife and stepdaughters that uh, the girls don't always see eye to eye. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's it, that kids a lot of times seem to relate or attach more almost to the opposite sex parent if that makes sense mm-hmm. um you know girls love their daddies and boys love their mamas um n- not that that lessens the relationship with the other parent absolutely. any but absolutely um you know it's uh, there's and it's interesting to look at you know how those relationships with your parents or parent figures change as you get older and as you start to have your own kids and grandkids and understand what you put your parents through um, as a kid uh, you have a whole new respect for them and I even see that some with our oldest daughter now that she's 25 that she just comes to my wife with like I'm, I'm sorry I, I, you know it's uh, but that yeah, I guess that's the thing with any relationship is that it's not static and it's not it's something that changes from you know year to year and sometimes day to day mm-hmm. um, that you know the relate a relationship grows um, and again referencing back to the, that game uh, the uncharted series that's mm-hmm. something I really liked in that that you know they did progress the relationships yeah um, so it kind of had that feel for that you were kind of having a almost voyeuristic look on these people's lives and how, mm-hmm. how they, how they grew. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that, that's kind of a, and, and I remember, take. I remember when I was, when I was uh, playing uncharted the first time, I was just like, who is this old guy? And you know, why, why are they connected? Are they just like business partners? I mean, like what the heck is going on? But you know, the more you get into the story, especially in Uncharted 3, when there are multiple flashbacks mm-hmm. to um, Nathan's childhood, um, you don't get the full glimpse of it. You just get like the initial meeting that they had um, and how they came to, to work together and how um, their, their relationship really started. And I thought that that was a really good job of how they, they fleshed that out, uh, how they kind of started it with the, the childhood thing and then how they really... Uh, went back even more in Uncharted 4 um, to talk about like uh, 
you know, the orphanage thing, and oh, by the way, he has a brother that we didn't know about type right. of thing. Um, there's, um, I know I, I said earlier that I wanted to bypass the, the 49 News part. There was an article that I had discovered um, somewhat recently, and I thought it was pretty pertinent to what we're talking about today in terms of like father figures, some attachment type stuff. Um, you know, as men and women. And this is uh, from the Society for Personality and Social Psychology. And I'm not going to uh, read the entire article. I'll post a link on um, Twitter and on the Facebook page for anyone that wants to read it um, down the line, regardless of whenever you're listening, whether it's now or five years from the time that this is being recorded. Uh, but just a quick little summary about this. Um, uh, like I said, uh, or actually I don't think, the title of this is A Father's Love is One of the Greatest Influences on Personality Development. And the summary of this, or the abstract as we call it in social sciences, is that a, father, um, a father's love contributes as much and sometimes more to a child's development as does a mother's love. That is one of many findings in a new large-scale analysis of research about the power of parental rejection and acceptance in shaping our personalities as children and into adulthood. Um, and it goes on to talk about, uh, you know, the type of study that they did and um, some more of their findings. And um, it wraps up by saying, additionally, he says, widespread recognition of the influence of fathers on their children's personality development should reduce the incidence of mother-blaming common in schools and clinical settings. The great emphasis on mothers and mothering in America has led to an inappropriate tendency to blame mothers for children's behavior problems and maladjustment when, in fact, fathers are often more implicated than mothers in the development of problems such as these. And um, let's see where to go. Um, Anyway, there's, I'll, I'll post the link so that you can read this article in full. It's, it's just a little one-page, one-and-a-half-page little ditty um, that shouldn't take you more than just a few minutes to read it if that's something that you're interested in doing. Um, but just just hearing about that, David, just like um, very initial gut reaction um, to like, you know, what it says, a father's love contributes as much and sometimes more to a child's development as does a mother's love. Uh, that is one of the many findings in a new large-scale analysis um, dealing with shaping personality um, for children into adulthood. Like, what do you think about that? What are some initial thoughts and reactions to that? <clears throat> um, I mean, in in the home, I mean, I, I can see that that makes a... I guess I can kind of see where they're coming from. I don't know without having read the whole thing. Right, right. Um, so I'm kind of just working off of that. Um, but that it's important. Um, I guess there's somewhat different roles. You know, a lot of times the father in a house is uh, cast as the the one that disciplines. You know, the the old phrase, just whether your father gets home. Mm-hmm. Um, so how that relationship with the child is handled can make a huge difference. Um, and I guess I kind of see that in my own house where I have to really try to tread the line with, you know, stepchildren, they do 
still have, um, you know, their birth fathers are still active in their lives. And I try to make sure that, you know, I'm not trying to um, replace that as much as co-parent and augment that, um, that, you know, there's, I guess it's kind of a fine line. You've got to tread there. And traditionally, uh, men are supposed to be more stoic and strong and all that. And being able to really express that love you've got for a child is important Mm -hmm. uh, to their development and to them learning how to positively express emotions such Mm -hmm. as, you know, love and anger and things like that, that there is a positive way to be angry Mm -hmm. about something. Um, So, yeah, I I see where they're coming from again Mm -hmm. without getting too much more into in-depth into that. but. Right. And, and I remember when I when I initially read this, uh, it just it was really um, hitting me hard because um, you know I'd, I'm a new father, mm-hmm. so um, just the importance of, of being a father, and I this I don't know if this is necessarily a, a proper opinion to have or what, uh, but you know I look at. Uh, like a role that a father has and a role that a mother has. And this is just painting with very broad strokes. So, you know, give me some, some leeway on this one, but I feel like it's a mother's job to nurture and a father's job to affirm type of thing. Um, and like I said, that's painting with very, very broad strokes. Um, that's not to say that a mother can't do that or, you know, that the roles can't be switched. Um, but, you know, by and large, like when we're hurt, when we scrape our knee, you know, when someone's picking on us, we want our mom, you know, to hold us and to, you know, tell us everything's going to be okay. Um, and I feel like there's some, there are different schools of thought on this in terms of like, um, you know, whether you have a son or a daughter, either now or down the line, you know, and saying like, you know, you're, um, you're a hard worker, you know, you worked really hard on this or... Um, you are good enough. You are capable of doing this or that or the other thing or something like that. Again, this is painting with very broad strokes, and I'm not saying that that is the letter of the law, um, but that's just a very vague way that I see that. And yeah, and I think a lot of that is in you know modern parenting has started to change to where the roles are less distinct compared mm-hmm. to you know watching Leave it to Beaver or yeah. Yeah. Uh, the Brady Bunch kind mm-hmm. of life back in the day where mom stayed home and mm-hmm. made sure made sure Alice got the uh, meal on the table for all the million people Straight in that to the household. moon, Alice. Um, <laughs> but uh, that it's moving towards more of a co-parenting, which mm-hmm. I think can be uh, healthier for kids because they're able to see that dads can nurture mm-hmm. um and you know kiss the scraped knee and put a band-aid on uh, that you know mom right can you know go up and take on defensive role against a you know a bully or a problem at school moms you know, that can, kind of thing moms can definitely turn into mama bears that's for sure uh, <laughs> and it counts it's it's choices in i guess looking at you know, what was positive and what's 
what was negative in our own childhood and our own relationships with our own parents and how to improve on that, um, learn from the mistakes and learn from the successes that our own parents had and realize that, you know, sometimes we're going to make mistakes in, in raising our kids. And the best thing to do with that is to actually talk to the kid and say, you know, sometimes adults don't know everything. We don't always mm-hmm. make the best choices. Um, and I kind of shared this quote with you earlier from, it was actually a quote from Sully in the game, um, that we don't get to choose how we start in this life. Real greatness is what you do with the hand that you're dealt. Right. Um, so it kind of ties into that, that, you know, you, there are, I'd say there's no books on parenting. There's a million books on parenting, but there's no instruction, uh, manual. instruction manual rule yeah. book on how to, uh, be the best parent for your child because every child is different mm-hmm. and you've got to really the only way to do it right is to, to wing it. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, so yeah, I mean, I see, like I said, that moving towards more of shared responsibilities and roles, roles in the household with the kids. It's not, you know, this person's you know, one person's job to cook and clean and do the laundry and somebody else to bring them the paycheck and you know, those everybody should share in everything. You know, everybody shares the house, everybody learns and we teach our kids how to start taking on those responsibilities at appropriate mm-hmm. ages and how to, you know, be a part of the household and yeah. team member, family member. So Yeah, and, and with the with the quote that you said, you know, just because you know, you're born or, 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 yeah, just because you're born and you might have a, like a, a bad hand dealt to you doesn't mean that you have to, you know, just to live in that existence indefinitely. I mean, you have, you have the choice before you to, um, either stick with the status quo and just do, you know, what your family or what you feel like your family, um, wants you to do and the type of lifestyle they want you to live type of thing. Uh, the type of career they want you to go in, or you can choose what to do for yourself and choose to better yourself type of thing. And I feel like the game back, going back to the game that it does a good job of that, you know, that, you know, Nathan, you know, wanted to, to make something of himself and, you know, Victor Sullivan, Sully saw something in him at a young age and helped, um, cultivate that. If we can just say it that way, um, by and large, so you don't you're not stuck uh, where you're at. Um, you know, find someone that will mentor you, uh, that will pour into you, um, that will um, be willing to answer the phone. You know, whenever you're in your darkest moment, uh, whether that's an actual parent that you have or it's a friend, a confidant, like a mentor type of thing. Uh, we all need people like that in our life that we can lean on. And I, I have a guy right now that I can call him anytime, day or night, and he'll answer the phone for me. And um, I would just encourage the listeners to this, um, regardless of how you know recent this episode is, find someone like that and build that and begin building a relationship with them if you don't already have one, because um, they are absolutely invaluable. And going back to what David was talking about, you know, with the the shared responsibilities in the house. You know, as long as the job gets done, then 
you know, who cares? If I, I mean, if you just put it that way, I mean, I mean, in, in this house uh, with my wife and I, um, I typically do most of the cooking. And, you know, it normally it's because I get home first and I don't want us to be eating at, you know, seven, eight o'clock at night, especially when we have an infant that we have to start their bedtime routine at eight. So, uh, you know, and we help each other out with, you know, dishes and taking care of our daughter, uh, laundry, um, taking care of the house, whether that's pulling weeds or vacuuming or sweeping, whatever. Um, so, I mean, I, I agree with, with what uh, David is, is putting out there in terms of, of uh, family. So uh, that's about all I have um, in terms of Uncharted. Are there any like last thoughts or ideas that you want to put out there about the game and what we've been talking about? Um, not really. I mean, I think we've pretty much touched on things. Um, you know, if you haven't played it, uh, give, what it, are you look, doing? give, give it a look, <laughs> uh, for sure. Uh, and you know, it, it, like in my case, that may involve, uh, having to go out and buy a whole new game system. Uh, cause I was, uh, I was in a whole different set of console wars than you. Cause yeah. I, I started off in the console wars between the Atari 2600 and the, uh, Coleco vision and, okay. Those kind of things. Uh, yeah. The last system I had before the PlayStation 4 was a Sega Saturn. Okay. So I've uh, been out of it for a while and have jumped in full force. Um, what was your first system? First one we had was the Atari okay. 2600, um, which is like the old school mm-hmm. combat and Pac-Man and Donkey Kong were the high-end games you could get for that thing. Right. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, the, the game itself, it's... Is really pretty impressive. I mean, there's even some technical things that the way it comes out of. Uh, it's one of the first games I think out there that actually you know fades seamlessly from cutscenes to gameplay without having to go to a black or loading screen or mm-hmm. things like that. So it keeps you immersed and kind of gives you that cinematic feel to it, um, just from a gameplay gameplay side of it. So uh, that's really the last thing I wanted to say that I've uh, spent forever. Which uh, the short version is, if you're not playing it, give it a try. Now keep in mind that you know when you play this, regardless of if it's the the Uncharted Collection, which was uh, basically remastered for the PlayStation Four, or you go out and you just play it on the PlayStation Three, like you go to someone's house or you borrow one, whatever. Um, the first one was released in 2007, so the graphics aren't gonna look that great but that's okay the story is phenomenal and the graphics get better the voice acting the dialogue the story the everything gets better with each and every game and it is definitely worth playing it and especially if you are a fan of indiana jones in general this is your kind of game right here so uh check it out and uh, that's basically it guys so thank you so much for tuning in and listening to to this episode Uh, The next episode that we'll be releasing, we'll be talking about Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix, uh, which will be coming out uh, two weeks after this one drops. If you want to get in touch with us, you can send us an email at reframedpod at gmail.com. You can also get in touch with us on social media through Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, all with the name at reframedpod. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, We're really glad that you're here, that you're checking us out, and that you're enjoying this. So 
Uh, like always, I hope each of you take care and stay happy.